Changing Radio. What happened at that moment was all of that need to be extremely fired up about everything left my body. I don't want my whole life to be defined by this relentless quest for success. I, I want to be remembered as somebody who shared a healing path with delight. Her fiction and nonfiction books and essays have appeared in the New York Times, O Magazine, Woman's Day, and the Wall Street Journal, to name a few. Her new book, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, will be out in December 2019. Please welcome Suzanne Falter to Self Talk Radio Show. Brought to you by... Pure Energy Apothecary, people and planet-friendly skin care. Find them at Bed Bath & Beyond or online at pureenergybody.com. Welcome to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My next guest is an author, speaker, podcaster, and blogger. Her book, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, will be out in December 2019. Please welcome Suzanne Falter to Self Talk Radio Show. Hi, Suzanne. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on the show. You definitely are a busy woman, so you know all about <laughs> writing for extremely busy women, right? But oddly, <laughs> I don't feel extremely busy, and I think that's the key to the whole thing. Well, you know, that that's the thing is sometimes people would ask me, are, are you being busy for the sake of being busy, or, or are you busy toward a goal that's fulfilling? Do you find that in yourself? Well, I'll tell you. The thing about being extremely busy is I believe it's a combination of habit and expectation. We expect ourselves to do impossible things, especially us women. Now, you know, the culture is always supporting go, go, go. I mean, I'm talking about the uh, specifically the American culture, although I'm sure this is true in uh, Western and maybe all parts of Europe. I don't even know. But and somehow you Canadians are just way more relaxed. But we have this crazy thing about overworking and pushing ourselves to the point of exhaustion. I always perceive Canada to be far more balanced, can I just say. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we are pushing, pushing, pushing ourselves without even noticing it. And that's why I wrote this book. I believe that when you have to reassess your life, when you're pushed to a certain place where nothing works anymore, when you feel kind of out of balance in your body, when you feel nervous or anxious, but you don't even know why, when you have strange aches and pains, when you can't sleep at night, these are all places where our body is trying to wake us up and say, things are not right. Things are out of balance. That's really, that's really what the source to me of being extremely busy is. So what was your hitting the wall moment for you? Well, here's the scoop. So in 2012, I had a radical loss of many things that began with a relationship and the brand new apartment that had come with it. Uh, my business ended and just after that, a few months later, my daughter suddenly dropped dead from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest. And, um, you know, it's never really been understand, understood what the source of the cardiac arrest was. She had epilepsy, but like many people in this situation, she died alone. Although she didn't entirely die alone, because basically what I like to say is she died for the first time, because she was revived, though she never regained consciousness again. 
And for six days, she was on life support. And then finally, we got the diagnosis from the doctors that her brain had been severely damaged. So we had to um, cut off the life support. Wow. That, yeah. I mean, that experience was so much more severe and life altering than even the end of a relationship and uh, <laughs> the end of a business, which in and of themselves would put us exactly. Back, right? I mean, what a trifecta there. I, I mean, yeah. my gosh, you, you had triple of the most stressful things in the world happen. So how did what were your next steps after all of that? Well, um, I just stopped everything and I didn't actually work again for two years. During that time, my mother actually died as well, although she was a 95-year-old person with dementia who, who really was ready to go. So it wasn't at all the It was same a different, different loss. Right. You know? and, yes. Yeah. And um, I received a small inheritance that allowed me to take an extra year off, which I did. Um, I, you know, I had savings. I, I really, I couldn't work is the truth, Sarah. I mean, for two, I had had a successful business as a, um, internet marketing consultant and I had worked, 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 uh, all day long, all night long. I was just mm -hmm. working all the time. And that's what I marketers knew, do. <laughs> I know. And it burned me out. It burned yeah. me out. And that's why that business ended. That business ended. The relationship ended. Suddenly I was alone. I had no place to live. My daughter had just died. So I just took it from as a sign from the universe that I was meant to totally reinvent everything. So I put my stuff in storage and I just started driving around here in Northern California looking for the place I wanted to live. I just began with basics and I moved into a room, rented room in someone's house. I just decided to create a very, very sustainable, super cheap life for myself for a while. And I didn't do anything rash. I just, I couldn't. I mean, grief is extremely disabling. It literally disables a part of the brain that makes executive decisions and, you know, gets things done. And that part of my brain was not online. It was like, you are going to hang out and that's it. So I meditated. Uh, I went, you know, to the gym. I took care of my body. And I was extremely aware of an experience I'd had um, just the night, the night of Teal's collapse. Teal, Teal was my daughter. Mm -hmm. I walked, when I walked into her hospital room and I saw her stretched out on her bed covered with you know, thermal wrapping hooked into all these machines and monitors. I mean, the whole awareness of what this was just flooded me. And I knew she was going to die. I knew my life would be radically changed by it. And the big thing I knew was that I had to become a better person. I had to come back to balance. I immediately could see how broken my own life was. It was, it was such a strange thing. I had this immediate call to be a better, healthier, stronger, more powerful person out in life. And her death was going to be the catalyst for that. It was, um, yeah, it was just a really weird thing, you know? I mean, it was almost like I could see it was some sort of a soul agreement between her and me. And, you know, here's the weirdest part. She wanted to be a healer and the day after her collapse, she had intended to start a program of courses at City College that would help her do that. 
And so I was like, okay, uh, let me take that on. But first, I'm going to have to heal myself. Mm. Wow. We're speaking with Suzanne Falter. She's an author, speaker, podcaster, amazing mother. And you also (laughs) write about uh, being a donor mom after the loss of your daughter. We're going to talk about that when we come back on Self Talk Radio Show. Need to stop bad habits, start positive change, and sleep like a baby? Check out meditations free at sleepmeditation.org. Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest, Suzanne Falter. And Suzanne, you write about being a donor mom after the loss of your daughter. Uh, What was involved with that? I mean, it was so shocking. Your daughter was perfectly fine, collapses from this sudden illness, and, and now you have to make that decision was it hard for you to to do that not at all not really well and here's the interesting thing she had never really left specific instructions i was not clear on what her wishes were about this but it was not it wasn't designated on her license but nobody could ever recall a conversation where she'd said no i don't want to donate my organs and she had this desire as i said earlier to become a healer so then it was like, well, okay, what, what would that look like? Um, at, at the time of her death, I was with my former husband, her dad, and our son, Luke, who flew out to California from upstate New York, where they live in the, um, well, my son lives in Burlington, and my uh, former husband lives in the Champlain Valley. And they came out to California and stood by her bedside, and when the moment came to decide what to do with her organs, the requester said to us, because of the way she died, she's an exceptionally good candidate. Meaning, because she had had a sudden cardiac arrest, there was no accident involved, there was no um, diseases or anything like that, you know, all of her organs were pretty much viable. So we donated her organs without much thought to it. Our, Our son had some concerns, so we kind of helped him figure out what he what he wanted to do and whether he could get on board and he did he really uh he really gamely did now at the time he was i guess he was 18 and she was 22 just to give oh, you a little context God. for this. so young so yeah young. wow yeah so um yeah well the the organ donation process went on and we didn't really know much about what happened to her organs after her death. What we knew, I got a letter from um, the organ procurement agency that had done the transplant uh, arrangements, and they said that uh, one woman got her one of her kidneys and another uh, got her pancreas, and then a woman in her mid-20s got her heart and her other kidney. So when we got on the phone, we cried a lot, you know, and then mm. then we agreed that she would be in touch when she was ready to meet us me, or me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that took a while. We didn't meet until five years after Teal's death. And we met on a beach, Ocean Beach in San Francisco, which is where she wanted to meet, which was where we had scattered Teal's ashes. And that immediately said to me, this is a highly sensitive person who really understood the value of this gift. Teal herself was a highly sensitive person. And when I met Amara, I really knew that she was the perfect person to get this abundant 
generous heart. Did you listen to her heartbeat? Yes. Her mother, Debbie, who has since become a very dear friend of mine and my fellow speaker, because we do speak about this from the stage sometimes, Debbie um, brought a stethoscope. And I listened to the heartbeat. And what, you know, that was like a little abstract for me because I had never really listened to Teal's heartbeat when she was alive, you know? Right, <laughs> but, right. But what I really understood was a, a great life was beginning again because of this. And what was so cool was that Amara went on to attend the very same college where Teal was going to get her healing training. And Amara got into a program, a very uh, competitive program, to learn cardiosonography. And she now works in a hospital doing cardiosonograms. Wow. Isn't That's that awesome? amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So, so you went through, you know, 2012 was your crash, obviously, of everything going wrong. And then you really sort of just built your life over again and, and didn't real. you spent the time meditating. How long did it take you before? Did you have an aha moment or, or what was the turning? You know, what was the man? I wanted point? to have an aha moment and I didn't have an aha <laughs> moment for years. Sarah. I, I was like begging for an aha moment. And, you know, you, you can't tell a gift when to come. <laughs> true. That's very true. But but when when was it where you you decided that you're done with the meditating and, and it, almost being adrift? It sounds like. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So was there a moment where it's like, okay, and I, I, I have a direction, I have enthusiasm, I have a passion for something. Did that happen for you? Yeah, um, what happened, and you know, it's so interesting, I'm 60 now, and I've been, you know, writing and creating and speaking since my early 20s, and I was passionate and fired up about my projects right through my 40s and early 50s. And then this happened when I was 53, eh, 53. And what happened at that moment was all of that need to be extremely fired up about everything left my body. Mm. <laughs> um, and gradually, instead, I kept waiting to be, you know, fired up about something. And I never was. Instead, I became gradually more and more aware of my connection to other people and the incredible importance of interconnectivity and of listening to other people and tuning into other people and just becoming aware of other people. Because I had been in my, you know, narcissistic entrepreneur, going to make a million bucks kind of bubble for many mm -hmm. years, you know. Mm -hmm. So this coming to terms with what I was really here to do, and what was this healing work I was going to carry on sort of in Teal's name really took a long time. And when I looked back at my life, as I began to kind of go deeper into the question of what was I supposed to do, I could really see that the theme that had been really prevalent through this healing period was self-care. And, you know, it sounds like my self-care was kind of napping a lot and going to the gym and meditating and drinking superfood smoothies, all of which was true. But really, the self-care became about setting limits, understanding when I needed help and asking for it, giving myself the opportunity to make mistakes, becoming grounded in my values and just being a better person and not needing to be impressive not needing to be super successful, 
not needing to wave some flag that said, look at me, look how hot I am at doing this, that, and the other thing. I had been a doer all my life. I had thought the way you solve problems was to work harder and to achieve more. I never understood that there is this beautiful balance in life, which is about becoming aligned and listening to your own body. But the person who knew that better than anybody was Teal. Now, Teal was, let me paint a little picture of this. Teal was an epileptic, um, moderate case, well-controlled by drugs, and she was a world traveler, and she was a lover of fun, and wasn't particularly interested in having a big career. She was an extraordinary singer, went to the Berklee College of Music, and dropped out because she wanted to be a healer, but she didn't really even know what that meant, and she was willing to just sort of drift along and see what happened. She was really committed to her body and to listening to her body. And after her death, I received a really cool um, bundle of her journals that her dad had found in her room. And we went through them together. And one of them was a notebook filled with little phrases. And I knew what that was because about a, six months before her death, she said, Mom, I keep hearing all these little phrases when I meditate. I said, oh, write them down, honey. Put them all in a notebook. And here they were. And there were hundreds of them. And they were, a lot of them were about listening to your body, being. One of them, one of them said, how do I tune into my body? Turn off your brain and ask. Because that's what we never do. We never say, hip, what's bothering you today? Why are you expressing so much pain? Because we never think our hip has a damn thing to say, right? Better to listen to external sources. But if you really listen, your hip may say, I don't like the fact that you agreed to be on that committee yesterday. <laughs> right, <laughs> or, right. Or if you really tune in, you may find there are decisions you've made in your life that are kind of out of balance with who you are and what you need. It was the first time in my life I had focused specifically on my needs. And here I was alone. I was no longer raising children. I was no longer racing around in a frenetic business. I had time to really listen. And let me tell you, I needed it because I had no idea what I needed. I really didn't know. I if was trying Teal, to... If Teal hadn't passed, yeah. do you think you would have learned all these lessons? Do you think you would have continued your frenetic pace with, you know, trying to revive the business or... Oh, sure. Sure. You do. I, yeah, absolutely. Because Teal was so critical to me and my life. And and, you know, I feel she's still alive in this work, you know, and yeah. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even understood this was mine to share, you know. Now, if you knew what you know now. Right. You know, before 2012 happened, if you if you had this wisdom, would things be different in your business? Would you have conducted your business differently? And how so? I wouldn't have conducted my business. That's how different I would have been. Because wow. let me tell you, in my wow. heart of hearts, I'm, I'm really not my... an internet marketer. You know, yeah. I stumbled into marketing in my 20s and I was good at it. And so uh, I always had that in my back pocket. But then I had a whole career as a self-help author in my 30s and 40s and speaker and so forth. And when, um, when uh, uh, this marketing stuff came up, it was the beginning, I guess it was about 2003. It was when the internet was, internet marketing as an industry was really kicking up. And I had built a big community and people were asking me how to do it. 
And so I was like, oh, well, let me show you. And next thing I knew, I was an internet marketing consultant. But it was never my my most authentic work. It was never my heart work, you know. So the minute she died, I started writing essays again. And those essays ha- had a big healing path for me in them. The essay taught me about a lot of this. And I'm hearing you shifting from passion to authentic. Yeah. I'm hearing that where, you know, you had the passion for your business and it's like, no, not so much now. I'm authentic. This is who I really am. This is not to to take away from your passion in, you know, 2000 and your career in internet marketing, but that was how that was how you made a living. That wasn't how you lived. Is, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got into, you know, the, the quote unquote drive for success because I thought that I had to do that to make my parents happy. Mm-hmm. If you really had asked me little Susie, when I was just a kid, you know, what's in your heart, what kind of person you want to be? Well, I'm a lover of fun. I really want to enjoy the the beauty in life and share it with people in a way that they can be moved by it. But I don't want my whole life to be defined by this relentless quest for success. I I want to be remembered as somebody who shared a healing path with delight. Hmm. You know what about? But what about putting food on the table? I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> so you know a lot of my listeners are listening to this saying, "Oh, that would be great to be able to take a year or two and and yeah, just right." Not, no, I know, I but know. you know, it's like, how do you put bread on the table? And you know, how do you shift from your passion to being authentic? You allow yourself to be more authentic in all of your life, and you invite in help. See, what happened for me, I had to start earning money again before I was really ready to. I, I, could, have, I could have drifted along in happy la-la land for years, really. But, you know, there came a moment when it was like, you are seriously needing to make some money now, sister. So, you know, I asked and I called in help and I, I looked around uh, for where's that going to come from. And remarkably, an offer came in to do some writing for which I have been paid ever since that has been a lifeline for me. Mm-hmm. However, I want to say that when you get in touch with what your deepest needs are and what you really have to change in your life, you can begin to see that maybe you have accepted conditions that were less than worthy. You can begin to get inspired about the idea that maybe you could change that job. Maybe you could change that relationship. Maybe you could make requests where none have been made. Maybe it's a simple matter of saying, hey, I need to make more money. Could I have a raise? Maybe it's a simple matter of saying, um, I'm going to advocate with this union I belong to that I've never paid any attention to because I really believe that we should have XYZ as part of this job. And you can see yourself make it happen. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating everybody become inert and contemplate their navel for the next three years. What I'm advocating is that people go within and ask themselves what they need. And a lot of the book I've written is very much about self-care by answering questions and looking at your life. And it's filled with all kinds of exercises to do that because that's where people get stuck. This is, this is the thing. We get busy. We get caffeinated, we get filled up with other people's ideas of what we should be doing. We are always, as Brene Brown says, operating on a sort of, you know, background drone of shame. And we are pushing ourselves forward to accomplish things in realms that may not even mean a bit to us, like me and my internet marketing career.
Right. Susan Falter is my guest here on Self Talk Radio Show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, how you talk yourself out of a funk and also your podcast, your new book, Self Care for Extremely Busy Women, when we come back on Self Talk Radio Show. Think websites are old-fashioned, out of touch with your core audience? Think again. While your tribe may love you on Instagram, you may be missing out on a whole client base that searches for you on Bing or Google. Then what? WebHelp US built Self Talk Radio Show's website, and I love it. Podcast uploads, open graph tags, SEO stuff, they do it all for me. WebHelp US, they even think of things like backing up my website, checking for viruses and stuff I frankly don't have time for. WebHelp US, professional websites for big picture people. WebHelpUS.com. Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. Suzanne Falter, my guest, and Suzanne. How do you talk yourself out of a funk? What's what's your favorite, <laughs> you know, to, to get yourself out of it? Well, I always remember that I don't have all the answers. And when I get in a funk, it's usually because I think I have to know all the answers. But I have forgotten, usually in that moment, that I'm not perfect, I don't need to be perfect, and I can ask for help. I think often we can't meet our own expectations, and that relentless expectation machine we have that pushes us forward, 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 it's where we get into trouble. I begin by asking myself, what is it that I need? What do I actually need right now? Then I ask myself, is it something I can provide for myself? Then I ask myself, who can I ask for help? And it may be as simple as going on the internet and Googling something or going into your, you know, a Facebook group, or it might be as simple as turning to the person you love and saying, I really need a back rub or a hug. You know, we can't always solve the problem ourselves. And part of the message that I believe Teal left behind, which was really exemplified by the fact that she traveled the world with a backpack, playing her little guitar in streets all over the world, just wanting to make people happy. She was a believer in our deep interconnectivity. And this is something we forget. And this is also something that could we remember it will bring us back to a much deeper place of happiness every time. How many times have you felt better because you called up a good friend and had a talk? Your podcast, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, who's your favorite guest that you've had on? Oh, man, I've had a lot, but I have to say one of my early favorite guests was Debbie, whose daughter received Teal's Heart. And we just talked about our interconnectivity with each other and our wonderful, wonderful opportunity to get to know each other, to heal together. Because really, she had been through eight years of trauma as well. And we get on the phone and chat and, you know, laugh between ourselves. But we were able to do that on the radio and really tell the story together of what we've experienced. And I have to say that that has been a profound thing. That has been a really profound thing. And where do we find the self-care soother? The self-care soother has been on iTunes. It's on Stitcher, you know, all the places you would get a podcast. If you look in your smartphone and push the podcast button and type in self-care soother, you'll find it. There are a lot of people on there that I've spoken to who speak about all aspects of self-care from, you know, the most recent guest, uh, Samantha Lee Wright was talking about essential oils. 
But sometimes people talk about more ephemeral things, you know. Um, the very first podcast was was with a meditation, a Zen um, a meditation expert who was talking about cell, um, smartphone addiction and putting your smartphones away. So we cover all aspects of self-care, and it's a great privilege to talk to these folks. And I always share one of my essays in the beginning of each show. <laughs> That's cool. And what can we expect from self-care for extremely busy women? What's your favorite takeaway from that book? Well, I think one of the big takeaways is when you are feeling frustrated and caught in your negative emotions, ask yourself, what request do I need to make? There's a whole section on conscious decision-making and making requests even of difficult people. Because, you know, for instance, many of us need to make requests around our work, but we're afraid to because we might have an unpredictable boss. We might feel like we might lose our job. Often we're shocked by the results if we simply screw up our courage and ask. So really a lot of that book is the opportunity to go in and ask yourself critical questions and figure out what your needs are and then get them met. Can't wait to read it. Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women due out December 2019. Suzanne Falter has been my guest. Thank you so much for being on the show, Suzanne. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you're a fan of Self Talk Radio Show, head out to our Facebook page, take a picture of yourself listening to the show, and you could win yourself a $25 gift card courtesy of Pure Energy Apothecary or one of our guests or sponsors. Thank you so much for listening to Self Talk Radio Show, mind changing radio, where you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course at selftalkradioshow.com.